In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, if we really think about what what God has done in the world and in the human person, really we'd be blown away by the beauty and by the kind of grandeur by which he's done everything. We don't notice it because of sin. We don't notice it because of the fallenness of our nature. And that fallenness, sin, tends to blind us. It has this uh, effect that we can't see things as they are as clearly. It's like putting on really, really, really dark sunglasses, such that everything that we see through those sunglasses we see in just a fog, but we can't really see clearly. Or it's like going from, I had LASIK done, I don't know, seven years ago? I had LASIK done many years ago, and I remember afterwards, I was able to see the details of trees, which I hadn't been able to see before. And seeing things that clearly really changed my perspective of the world. I was able to see it in a new light, and it was a really beautiful experience for me. But seeing it in a fog, seeing it with poor vision, kind of takes away from the beauty of the world. So it is with sin. When we sin, when we're in the state of sin, and all of us are, it is very difficult for us to see things clearly. But clearly, if we were to see things clearly, we'd see things as God made it. So in the beginning, God created the entire world as this gigantic temple. The purpose of the world is that it would serve as this huge temple for God, wherein the height, the pinnacle of that creation is the human person who is given this space, this kind of gigantic temple, which is the world, the universe, who's given this space to worship God. And it's the human person that is created in the image and likeness of God. This is all what we get from the book of Genesis in the beginning. We don't see it that way anymore. We just see the world as just a compilation of stuff. Some of it's beautiful, some of it's kind of ugly, some of it's annoying, some of it is dirty, some of it is pleasant. But we don't really see it anymore as a gigantic temple. I mean, I guess it's like walking to a church that looks something like a bathroom, and it doesn't really look like a church anymore. It's hard to see it as a church. Likewise, the human person is created in the image and likeness of God. If you want to know, if you had imagined this huge church, and it was a really beautiful church, and you want to see a bunch of beautiful images of God, if you saw that from the beginning and of creation, what you would see in those pictures is just a human person. They are created, human beings are created in the image of God. We are supposed to reflect God's glory. We are supposed to reflect God's beauty. And yet all of this has been dimmed down drastically because of sin. All of it is now just a fog. What is really there in God's intention, we can't really notice it anymore. Why am I talking about all this? In that beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and he creates all things in it, and it's to be this gigantic temple. And then he creates a human person, and when he creates a human person, it says in the book of Genesis, God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life. Now, in all ancient classical languages, Hebrew being one of them, and Aramaic, 
Latin is the same. The word for breath and the word for spirit are exactly the same word. In Hebrew, it's ruach, which is where we, you know, similar to Aramaic, it's ruha. Ruha, ruach, is the same word for breath and spirit. So when, that, when the book of Genesis says that God breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life, he's saying God breathed into the nostrils of man the spirit of life. That is the very life of God, the Holy Spirit himself. We know the story when Adam sins, Adam and Eve when they sin. All of that is now distorted. And the world which is in God's intention and as he, as he made it from the beginning, this really beautiful temple, this really beautiful space, wherein human beings also radiating the beauty of God, all that beauty, all that intention, all that cohesion, all that radiance, has just been dimmed down drastically. It's been distorted. Again, it's like walking into a church after it's been bombed. Or it's like looking at an image after it has gone through a fire. Or after a bunch of paint has been spilled all over the image. You don't really know what, what's there anymore. So it is with the human person, unfortunately, and with the world around us. There is a hidden beauty behind all of it, yet we can't see it any longer because of the fallenness of sin. In salvation history, that is, in the way, in the history by which God is working with humanity, God is constantly trying over and over again to fix this distorted image, to bring things back to the way they were, the way he intended them to be. And I'm not going to go through the whole Old Testament here, but I'm going to say, in the process of that uh, restoration of God's original intention, we have the temple in Jerusalem. And the temple in Jerusalem is intentionally made by King David's son Solomon, intentionally made to look like the Garden of Eden. That's done on purpose. And so just like God created the world in seven days, so Solomon built a temple in seven years. And just as in the midst of creation there's this beautiful garden, so in the temple of God in, the, in, in Jerusalem, in the holy city, garden imagery is all over the temple. And just as God created the heavens and the earth, so in the temple you saw at the roof of the temple all kinds of clouds and stars and all the things that mimicked this whole world in a miniature form in the temple. This is why, kind of a side note, when Jesus says about the end of times, you'll see the stars falling like leaves. He's really speaking about the destruction of the temple coming down. So the temple is built after the whole cosmos, after the whole world, because the whole world is supposed to be a gigantic temple, and God wants to restore that, but he has to narrow it down to just this one nation, because the whole world has fallen. And yet that one nation is supposed to spread the belief in the one true God to the whole world. That was God's promise to Abraham. But the temple in Jerusalem is, at the end of the day, it's just four walls, and it's just paint, and it's just gold. How could it house God? It cannot. At the end of the day, it can't. 
It can't house God. God is infinitely beyond all of this. So God's original intention is to dwell in the world, in the souls, in the hearts, and in the minds, and in the bodies of the human person. That's why he breathes into the nostrils of man the breath, the spirit of life. The temple of God, the dwelling place of God, where God is, where God dwells most concentrated in God's original intention is in the human heart, in the human person. But all of that is distorted, and so God has to kind of work with what he's got. He builds the temple in Jerusalem. But that's not God's original design. God will have his way. When God becomes man, Jesus Christ, there God dwells in the human person again. There God dwells in man fully, in a new kind of way. And there, Adam is restored. That's what this whole gospel is about. Jesus walks into the temple of God, the house of God in Jerusalem, and he sees that they're disrespecting the temple. They've just reduced the house of God to what? A business. It's become a place of trade. It's become like a marketplace. So Jesus goes in, and he overturns their tables, and he spills the coins of the money changers, and he does all these things to say, you can't do this to the house of God. The house of God is worth a lot more than what you're doing. Now, we can say that there's a moral lesson to be learned here. Don't cheat people. Don't overcharge people. Don't do these things. Of course, that's true. But there's a much bigger thing going on. It's Jesus' value of God's house, of God's temple. How much, how much does, does Jesus guard and value the temple of God? Well, this is how much. And yet, towards the end of the gospel, the Pharisees say to Jesus, who are you? Who do you think you are? By what authority are you doing these things? Show us, prove to us that you have the authority to do this by showing us a sign. And Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. That was not understood by anybody. And then John says, only after Jesus was raised from the dead did the disciples understand what he meant by this. The real temple of God is the body of Christ because God became man and has restored man to God's original intention. The real temple of God is the human person found in the person of Christ. And now anybody united to Christ has become again what God wanted us to be from the beginning, God's own dwelling place, God's own temple. This is what St. Paul says. He says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? And he says this shaming the people that he's writing to, the Corinthians, for sexual sins. Don't do this to yourselves, he says. Your bodies are worth more than this. They're the temples of the Holy Spirit himself. Why? Because we Christians who are baptized in Christ, we now have that restored image of ourselves, of, of God in us. Our bodies have been bought back. Our souls have been redeemed by Christ. And now we go back to what God wanted us to be from the beginning. Now God dwells in us. And so St. Paul tells us, value yourself more than what you're doing. 
And so we have something to ask ourselves. If Jesus, if God, so much values a kind of shadow of God's house, of God's temple in Jerusalem, which is just four walls with some gold and some designs of garden and, and, and stars and such things. If God so much values this that he goes in and he sees them disrespecting it by bad business practices so that he flips their tables and spills their money change, money, money dispensers, if he so much values a building that's supposed to represent the temple of God, how much more does he value the real thing, you and me? Now that's our responsibility. If God so much values you and me, how much do you value you and me? Have you made your body, have you made your soul just another business? Have you made your mind concerned only with the things of this world, only with money and how much we can make, so that our minds, which is supposed to be the dwelling place of God, our hearts, which is supposed to be God's home, is worth as much as our bank account is? Have we made ourselves, which are to be temples of the Holy Spirit, which God values above everything in this world, so much so that he died for it, have you taken that and made it just a thing, a toy to be played with by other people through sexual sins? Have we reduced ourselves so much that, again, God, having restored us to his original intention, we've distorted that vision again? What kind of painting, what kind of image of God are you? Is it clear? Is it visible? Can others see God in you? Or is it so far distorted that it's like a painting that has a bunch of paint spilled all over it that you can no longer see what's through? Brothers and sisters, we are, because we are united to Christ, because we are members of his body, we are like him, now temples of the Holy Spirit. And just like in this church, we spend a lot of time upkeep. We spend a lot of time making it beautiful so that you can come in here and you can worship God in a clean and an ordered and in a, uh, in a sanctified manner. So likewise, take care more of your bodies than we do of the church, because your body is really the church of God on this earth. Amen.